Welcome everyone to a late Saturday night edition of Couch Potato Diary coming to you uh, again, like I said, very, very late on a Saturday night. Probably by the time you're listening to this, it is Sunday, uh, but wanted to make sure caught everything that was happening in the sports world on Saturday. Uh, if you can hear um, this running in the background, uh, it is extremely hot in the city of Calgary and I, I need a fan. I'm not going to turn it off because I would uh, melt in here. So uh, hopefully you are all staying well in the weather um, with the if you are affected by the wildfires hopefully everything is going okay coming up on the show today Jimmy Butler with an unbelievable run for the Miami Heat that has the Boston Celtics in trouble the Denver Nuggets are planting their flag as the team to beat in the NBA uh, in the NHL some questionable decisions made by uh, a couple of teams and just by the league itself and we get into the baseball controversy of the week as well so thank you all so much for downloading and listening today hi i'm kim carson and i'm peter klein and this is we had no idea a podcast about world events that you know about but might have fallen asleep for during history class or social studies however you learned history in high school each week we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history so whether you already know everything or feel like you need to top up on some history we'll be here for you listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts Woo! all right let's start in the nba um jimmy butler is having one of the like all-time great PR runs and like actual basketball runs for a, a non like top two or three guy in the league. It, it just it's so weird to quantify what Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat are doing. And for everyone who kind of mocked and oh heat culture this, heat culture that, kind of seems like heat culture is real and this version of it has been supported by Jimmy Butler, and it starts back in the bubble in 2020 when he leads the Miami Heat to the NBA Finals, and there's the shot at the end of Game 5 where he is exhausted, um, just doubled over, and still giving everything he has, and that has now continued through 2021, 22, and now into the 2023 playoffs. And it's just, it's remarkable what they've been able to do as an eight seed. And remember, back at the start of the playoffs, I was saying, like, is this the end of the Miami Heat? Like, are they going to need to blow this thing up? Because they looked atrocious against Atlanta. They looked, like, really, really bad against the Atlanta Hawks. And then they came out and shocked the world against the Milwaukee Bucks. And again, if Milwaukee knows what they're doing, and maybe if Giannis is healthy, maybe none of this happens. But... It is happening. And for Jimmy Butler, um, I forget who put it out there today, but so many guys talk about the Mamba mentality. Oh, this is what Kobe would have done. Kobe, blah, blah, blah. This, is, this is what Kobe would have done. Probably not as talented. As, well, not probably. Definitely not as talented as Kobe. But still, a lot of people talk about Mamba mentality. Jimmy Butler be about Mamba mentality. He has been... Everything that the Mamba mentality is, talking about um, the, the next gear or that level or that competitiveness that Kobe Bryant would bring, Jimmy Butler is bringing that. And again, not to the same talent level, but certainly to the, the execution of it so far. Again, like it's he understands his strengths and his weaknesses, and there are some. He understands those so perfectly, and he shapes his entire game into that so perfectly. Again, does he make the perfect decision every single play? No, of course not. No player does. But he has been... Like, it's it's self-aware. It's an understanding of 
um, again, his skill set, the skill set of the team around him, and another big part of it, and one that can't really be ignored in all of this, as teams making shots, you know, like that, that's that that is a big part of all of this is that th this team struggled to make threes in the regular season. And that's where they're in the spot that they were in. And now those shots are falling and it's it can be frustrating sometimes as sports watchers and sports fans when it's, oh, yeah, it's a make or miss league. But really, that's what this has been about, is that this team struggled to make threes for a while and now they're not. And now they're winning. Um, but like this is just so, when you think of like going back to the bubble. Just think back to how he got to, to Miami, right? With the 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 whole blow up with Minnesota, goes to Philadelphia. The 76ers inexplicably don't re-sign him after Kawhi's shot bounces in and he heads to Miami. And this whatever act this is in Jimmy Butler's career is a phenomenal one. And I can't remember a time, like a three-year stretch, where someone has been able to define a legacy. So I don't want to say late in their career, because it's not like this guy's 39 or anything like that. But um, at this point in their career, to redefine how you are going to be remembered, to redefine, or maybe even just define that you're going to be remembered at all. Because before, he would have been a guy that like I would have talked about, like, oh yeah, and Jimmy Butler, oh man. what? A, but, but now it's like, you're going to tell your grandkids about this run that Jimmy Butler has had. And you are going to, when there's a, a kid who is grinding away in the gym, it's like, hey, look, man, Jimmy Butler wouldn't have given up. And I'm not saying, like, people are going to have motivational Jimmy Butler posters, but they might, you know, like this is, this is a pretty motivational run that this dude has been on. And on the opposite end of it, you have the Boston Celtics who are clearly all of that last little soliloquy about Jimmy Butler aside, the Boston Celtics are clearly the better team in this series, just like they were clearly the better team in the last one. And if they had one sixteenth of the whatever that Jimmy Butler has that has got him to this point, the Celtics would have played maybe 15 playoff games so far, um, or through this series, they, they would have got to 15 playoff games. Like it would have been like just absolutely annihilating the, the Atlanta Hawks. But that thing that Jimmy Butler has is that thing that this Boston Celtics team is missing. They should not have needed six games to beat the Atlanta Hawks. They should not have needed seven games and an absurd Jason Tatum performance to, to beat the Philadelphia 76ers. And they should not be down 2 nothing after two games at home to the Miami Heat. This team is better than that. And I don't know if it's the coaching. It's probably the coaching. Um, or what it is from last year to this year. But this team has lost quite a bit of it. And this is oversimplistic. Of course it is. And again, part of it is shots aren't falling. But this team... For a team that hasn't won anything, and again, they got to the, the NBA Finals last year, so that's that, like great for you, but for a team that hasn't won anything, I have never seen, and th this playoffs has been so interesting with all of this, but I've never seen a team in the conference finals just take a couple games off. You know, it's like they, they feel like they can flip the switch. It's like, this is when you're supposed, this is when the switch flipping happens. This, now, now is the time. Two games ago definitely would have been the time. Eight games ago is probably the time. But the, this team is just sleepwalking through everything. Like, oh yeah, we're better than everyone. We'll get there. Like, they're, I mean, look, look where they're at now. Down to nothing in a series against the Miami Heat. They are sleepwalking through this and they're about to wake up in a nightmare. Just a, a terrible, terrible stretch here for the Boston Celtics. And you look out west, uh, the Western final is over after tonight. Jamal Murray with 30 points in the first half, helping his team to a victory over the 
um, the LA Lakers. And what's wild about this is like Jokic has played well. Like it, it's not like he's been bad or anything like that. But they are not winning because of Nikola Jokic right now. Like he is again, he's the best player in the series. I don't want to. I don't want this to seem like I'm taking anything away from him because he might be the best player in the league right now. But they are winning because of the other guys, you know. And again, a lot of this is dudes are making shots, but the, the team just has no holes, right? Like they are defending very well. They are taking care of the basketball extremely well. Guys are cutting when they're supposed to be cutting. They're passing when they're supposed to be passing, and they're making shots when they're supposed to be making them. It, it's. It's remarkable to see. It is almost perfect basketball, what they are playing. And the Lakers just don't have an answer. It looked like they were going to have an answer. That You're close going into the fourth quarter. You have a lead in the fourth quarter. And then it just explodes out of nowhere. And the Nuggets go on and just annihilate them. Um, they are so clearly the best team in the NBA right now. And this is a coming out party for Jokic as if he needed one. The two-time MVP. A guy who's already been in the conference finals. But this one is a bit more validating to those who kind of take away from what happened in the bubble that this has, he is leaving no shadow of a doubt that he is the best player in the league right now. The most talented, most complete on the offensive side player in the, the NBA. But even if you want to factor in defense, that this is the best player in the league. This is the best team in the league. They just, they don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves. And you see the Lakers all of the time beating themselves. Uh, we just talked about Boston beating themselves. But you look at Miami and, and Denver right now, they're just not. And then there's a couple of plays. Like the, I don't know if Denver handled the late game situation all that well against the Lakers the other night. But everyone was exhausted. And that home court is an advantage for them. It's... It's been really fun to see, and like I, I have all of this on the NBA playoffs. I got nothing on the NHL playoffs. Um, the NBA playoffs have been so much more entertaining and so much more intriguing than the NHL playoffs have been so far. It's kind of neat that the what the Panthers are doing as uh, they pick up an overtime win. And just to transition into that, Matthew Kachuk, what Matthew Kachuk and Sam Bennett are doing, show the failings of the Calgary Flames um, over the last few years. Over the last couple of years, specifically Daryl Sutter. And Daryl was supposed to be the one, like when you think of Daryl Sutter players, you think Matthew Kachuk and you think Sam Bennett. But you look at this version of Matthew Kachuk that's playing in the postseason right now. That is not the version that the Calgary Flames had. What the Calgary Flames had in the playoffs last year was a petulant child running around just trying to be a jackass for the sake of being a jackass. This year, this playoffs, Matthew Kachuk is being a difference maker. And I don't know if he was just that miserable in Calgary that he just wanted to be a fucking get out of there. Um, I say there, I'm in Calgary. But... I don't know if that was the case. I don't know if it's Daryl Sutter. I could make some assumptions. Um, I don't know if Paul Maurice is just a Kachuk whisperer. I don't know what it is. But this dude was not the same one wearing the Flaming Sea last year. No, no, no. It's not even close to, to what we saw last year. Um... In the postseason, again, I want I want to make that very clear. And we all knew from uh, from the Sam Bennett side, we all knew about playoff Sam Bennett that this is nothing new. But again, you think of a coach that is supposed to be able to maximize him, and Daryl Sutter never did. And that I think is the one of the legacies of this particular era of Daryl Sutter is that there are so many players under his watch who underperformed, thus the team underperformed, and thus. 
going in a new direction. But Matthew Kachuk and Sam Bennett, I think, really driving home the failings of the Calgary Flames. Speaking of failings, the Toronto Maple Leafs did that a bunch, and now their GMs uh, has been parted ways with by the organization as Kyle Dubas is let go. A couple of things I think do Kyle Dubas in. One, never really able to find that strong option as a, a goaltender. Um, they tried a few different kind of like bargain bin things. It never really worked. They came closest, I think, this year with Samsonov or Samsonov. And uh, while Murray was predictably banged up, but whether it was Anderson or it was Campbell or it was whoever, they just never found that guy to to get this team to the promised land. And that's that's how I'm going to remember the shortcomings of of Kyle Dubas. Also, I wonder if he had it to do over again. I wonder if he would still do the Tavares one. Because and no no knock on John Tavares as a hockey player, but it's I, I I am aware of how oversimplistic I am making this. John Tavares took this from a team that was eliminated in the first round to a team that was eliminated in the first round for a lot of money. And I just wonder if you could have spent that money and kind of spread it out a little bit more. You still have a big three, but the drop between three to four, five, and six maybe wouldn't have been as great, and you could have spread things out uh, a little bit more and maybe solidified things instead. Like... And th this is, like, at the time, I was kind of like, man, I don't know. Um, so this isn't necessarily playing Monday morning quarterback, but it just, it feels like that one, in hindsight, might have been a luxury purchase for a team that couldn't necessarily afford to do one at that particular time. Um, but overall, I think Kyle Dubas did really good, especially this year. That this, this trade deadline season, I thought he built this team masterfully. And that's the kind of ironic part is now he is leaving behind a team that kind of feels like now it is finally built to, to go on. And look, they, they advanced past the first round and then ran into a hot goalie of the, the, the Florida Panthers, but that's kind of been their story, right? Like, you, you don't get the benefit of the doubt when it's been loss after loss after loss after loss after loss. And so seeing people on Twitter, like, why are people excited about this guy? Why would you want him on your team? What has he accomplished? It's tough to argue against that. Because the team like got to the playoffs a bunch, um, and then lost in the playoffs a bunch, rather comically, a number of different times. I don't think that is a failing of roster construction all of the time, um, and specifically this year. Again, I, I think he built a team that was probably good enough to win a championship that just didn't necessarily execute. So I, I think he, I think there was a lot of learning on the job for him. I think there was a a little bit of maybe arrogance in the beginning. Um, I, I think that he certainly got better as a general manager as things went on. And now you look at where th this Leafs team is at. He is leaving them in a significantly better uh, space than when he came there. And I think the next team that hires him is getting a really, really smart hockey guy. Um, probably not going to get a great letter of recommendation from Brennan Shanahan. What the hell was that press conference? Like that is one of the all time throwing under the bus press conferences I can remember like that that is Joel Embiid throwing Ben Simmons under the bus level of bus throw undery just horrendous from uh from, from Brendan Shanahan like that that was the, the this is one of those times because it felt like the Shanna plan was like kind of transformative for this Leafs team that got them into this level where the Toronto Maple Leafs are are sitting right now and I I now question 
I would have major concerns if I was the the Leafs ownership. I would have major concerns looking at that guy putting the the rest of the plan together. And look, there's a very real chance he is speaking for ownership. So I I don't anticipate any changes there, but that was whew, That was wild. That that was yeah. That 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 was very very interesting. Um I I think a lot of people have kind of been making the the not too far of a leap that Brad Treliving could be the, the next GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think that would be an extremely smart move. I think Treliving, I, I think these two guys we're talking about, Dubas and, and Treliving, are so clearly the, the best options that are out there that we know of, right? I don't know what Craig Conroy is like as a general manager. There's a, a thousand different people who could have amazing know-how. I'm just going off of what we have seen. Um, and I, I think Treliving and Dubas who both, I think, put together very good rosters that managed to underperform, are definitely the ones to, to look for for these jobs going forward. A couple quick notes on baseball before we get out of here. Uh, starting to get very concerned about Alex Manoa um, and the thing with the Blue Jays right now. Um, th- this team is so streaky, and you are kind of hoping when veterans like Kiermaier and Bassett and those guys were brought in that this wasn't going to, to necessarily happen. But once again, it's the same thing that plagued the Blue Jays last year. The highs are very high, but the lows are getting very low. And this team seems to ride that 162-game roller coaster with every emotion. And it's a really long season to be doing that. So, But for Manoa, like it's, I think it's pitch clock, personally. Um... People talking about his velocity is down. What was one of the things people were going to talk about with the pitch clock? Velocities are going to be down. Uh, Check. Like, he just, he doesn't seem to be... It it seems like him not being able to kind of take a deep breath in between every pitch is really getting to him, and things are really starting to snowball on him. And so, I I think it is correctable. I don't think this is a Jack Flaherty-type situation where it's just, oh yeah, a couple of years where he's the best pitcher in the league. Now, I don't know if I would trust him in a triple-A start. I don't think we are at that point yet with him, but just because he was, he's was he been awesome for a year and a half doesn't mean he's going to be awesome for the next 10. Um, and so there, there is very real concern about Alec Manoa and then the rest of this Blue Jays team. The Aaron Judge thing. I, I think two things can be true on this. Aaron Judge, the, the, look, he was not looking to the dugout because he heard his teammates chirping. That is a baloney. He was looking in there because they figured something, some kind of sign thing out. They figured it out. I don't think they're using technology, and thus, it's a thing that's been happening in baseball for a thousand years. And uh, listening to uh, the MLB Roundtable on the Athletic Baseball Podcast, um, where it's, it's ironic that it's the Blue Jays where this happened with, because for a hundred years, there was the man in white in right center field who was tipping pitches, and you, you always had to be a little bit careful with the Blue Jays and, and sign stealing. This has been a thing that's been going on for a hundred years. You have a runner at second base, pitches coming on the inside, they tap their right knee. Pitches going to the outside, they tap their left knee. If they think it's going to be a fastball, they adjust their hat. Like, it's... This shit's been happening for a long time. And so, do I think that there's some form of computer algorithm that the the Yankees had that they were able to print out in 15 seconds so Judge could look over, see that it was going to be a breaking ball, and then hit it to the to high holy hell? No! No! I think they figured something out. He looked over, there was a sign, he's like, okay, well, I'm going to crush this. The other part of it, and I think maybe a part that the Blue Jays might have a leg to stand on if this was... Uh, something different. That was maybe the worst pitch that's been thrown in baseball by a pitcher this year. Like, that was... 
just begging to be hit. If he threw that pitch in batting practice, the guy would smoke it into the fifth deck and then be like, okay, we need to take this a little bit more seriously now, guys. Like, let's let's start actually pitching here. That was just so, the, the home run ball of all home run balls on. And so if, if Aaron Judge and the Yankees had a sign figured out for when Jay Jackson was going to throw in a slow pitch ball, then bravo to them. Um, but it, it, it does kind of lose a bit of weight when it was such a poorly executed pitch on the, the part of the Blue Jays. But um, yeah, he was definitely looking over for a sign. And it definitely doesn't matter. It doesn't take away from the, the 62 home runs or whatever it was, uh, whatever it ended up being last year. doesn't take away from what he's doing so far this year. It's just a thing he did once. And that, yeah, it's been happening in baseball for a long time. All right, that is the show. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening. Um, going to try to get one more episode out on uh, the passing of superstar Billy Graham, one of the most influential figures in professional wrestling with quite the dark side. So we will get into that, hoping to have something on Jim Brown, the, the Football Hall of Famer who passed away as well, hoping to have a couple of more things like that over the next couple of days. Enjoy your long weekend. Please stay safe. Try to stay cool. And I'll talk to you all later. I'm out.